much wisdom when she speaks. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instructions with kindness. So much kindness when she speaks. Hello, queens. Welcome to She Speaks Love, Women of the Bible series. We're so excited to share these incredible women of the Bible and highlight their personal story and their legacy. These podcasts will encourage, inspire, and share wisdom from God's Word as it relates to women in our unique circumstances. Let's get into their phenomenal story and the power of their voice. Today's woman of the Bible is Tamar of Judah, presented by Queen Nadia. I want to say I have the pleasure of presenting tonight on Tamar, who was a Canaanite woman. We often hear about the plight of the Canaanites against the the Israel, um, the children of Israel and a bunch of different, different, different nations. But I just want to give you a little background of who the Canaanite women were. Um, Back when Noah built the ark and God saw wicked and evilness in the eyes of his children that he built and he was sorry in his heart, he found one man who was righteous and that was Noah. He gave Noah instructions, of course, as we know, how to, how to build the ark, what to build ark, and who to let on. So he let on his three sons. So his youngest son is, is named Ham. And um, Noah became a farmer when they were able to get off of the ark. And once they were able to get off of the ark, and he was he was a farmer, but he had a wine um, yard. So one day, I don't know, maybe the pressure was getting to him. He was drinking and he was drunk, but he was drunk in his tent and he was naked. So Ham so happened to come upon him and see that he was naked. And instead of covering his father, he went and spoke about his father. And that stuck out to me because I thought to myself, how many times that we've seen other women that have been naked in their, you know, whatever it is, in their trials, in their tribulations, in their insecurities. And we want to go tell someone instead of covering them like his other two sons did. So when Noah awakened, he found out what Ham had done and he actually cursed him. But this is the interesting part. He cursed his son, his grandson, Canaan. So therefore, it goes back to the scripture that says the sins of the father will visit a thousand generations. So those are the children of Canaanite who were under the curse that Noah placed due to their grandfather, Ham. So that was very, very, very interesting. You know, you have to always be careful because every action has an effect. So everything you do affects the generations to come. So I thought that was good. All right, let's get started, ladies, because I'm nervous, but let's do this. So I have the pleasure of um, presenting on Tamar. Tamar, that um, is from Judah. She is Judah's daughter-in-law. And I'm going to read the scripture. Genesis 38. Now it came to pass that after that, Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. Now, I think that the reason why Judah departed from his brothers, because Judah was actually the only brother besides Reuben. Reuben was the oldest out of the tribe of Israel who told his brothers not to kill Joseph, even though they wanted to. And I just think the guilt because 
the guilt of them selling him into slavery, Judah couldn't take it anymore. So he just decided to depart from his brothers. So he was the only one who separated from them. The other 11 stayed with their father. So, and Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and he called him Ur, and conceived another and bore a son, and she called him Onan. And she conceived yet another and bore a son and called his name Selah. Now, he was at Shabaz when she was born, when he was born. So then Judah took a wife for Ur, his Firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. And Judah said to Onar, Go into your brother's wife and marry her, and take and raise up an heir to your brother. But Onar knew that the heir would not be his. And it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he omitted on the ground, lest he should give her an heir to his brother and the thing which he did displeased the lord therefore he killed him also then judah said to tamar his daughter-in-law remain a widow in your father's house till my son shelah is grown for he said least he also die like his brothers and tamar went and dwelt in her father's house now now in the process of time the daughter of shula judah's wife died and judah was comforted and went up to the she sheep shares at Timnah and he and his friends, he and his friend Hira and the, the Adulamite, and it was told Tamar saying, look, your father-in-law is going up to Tamar to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which was on the way to Timnar. She she's for she saw that Sheila was grown and she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot because she had covered her face. Then he then he turned to her, by the way, and said, please let me come into you. For he did not know that she was a his daughter in law. So she said, what will you give me that you may come into me? And he said, I will send a young goat from the flock. So she said, will you give me a pledge until you send it? Then he said, what pledge shall I give you? So she said, your signet and cord and your staff that's in your hand. Then he gave them to her and went into her and she conceived by him. So she arose and went away and laid aside her veil and put on her garments of, of her widow. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the man of that place, saying, where is the harlot who was openly by the roadside? And they said there was no harlot in, the, in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also, the men of this place said that there was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, let her take them for herself, lest he would be ashamed. For I sent this young goat and have not found her. And it came to pass after some time, it came to pass after three months that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. Now, at this time, no one knows that it's, it's Judah's son, grandchild. <laughs> no one knows that she's pregnant by her father-in-law. They just know that she's a widow and now she's pregnant. So. Here we go with the gossip. So when she was brought out, she she sent to her father-in-law saying, by the man whom 
I'm sorry, did I six No, I'm sorry, I skipped the step. And it came to pass after three months, Tamar, her daughter, was played the harlot, therefore she is with child. So Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law saying, by the man who these belong, I am with child. And she said, please determine who these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. So Judah acknowledged them and said, she has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her to Sheila, my son, and never knew her name, name her again. Now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold, twins were born and were in her womb. And so it was when she was given birth that the one pulled out his hand and the midwife put a scarlet thread and bound it to her hand saying the, that this one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly as she said, how did you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore, your name was called Perez. Afterwards, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand and his name was Zebra. That was a lot, but it was very, very good. I had to start from the beginning to give you the, the context. Now, in the meantime, his brothers in Judah, they are off in um, another land. And the famine is about to hit. And Joseph has been in the pit. He's been he's been through everything at this point. And so I'm going to come to this right here. I believe that God gave me three points about this story. And this story is so interesting because on your natural and carnal mind, when you would read this story, you would think to yourself, oh, my God, what's going on? It's, it's a lot going on in this story. It's a lot of ancestral. It's a lot of stuff that I just really don't understand. So I had to break this down. I had to pray about it. And I had to look into this and say, God, explain this to me. So back in the, tra the, the Jewish tradition, the thing is that um, I forget what they call it, but you just have to go research it. When there is back in the day, because women did not have the same kind of authority, did not have the same kind of um, equality that the man had. She was to get married. That that right there was her retirement plan. That right there was her safety net at that point. So that was something that the Jewish people had in their tradition because they would. That was a way for them to continue the bloodline. That was a way for them to serve their their um lineage. So when I read it, I didn't really understand it. I didn't have. I, I had. I, I didn't understand why God was so offended by what Onar had done. Um. I thought he was just being selfish myself. I was like, hmm, he was being real self-serving because he knew that this was how she would be um, ensured that she would have a place in the future. So um, this is what God told me. God shared to me that the reason why he was so upset at Onar is because God is a generational God. God has always been generational. And what that means is from the beginning of time, when God said, let us make man in our own image, it wasn't because he needed us, but it was because he wanted us. He wanted a family. So therefore, God is so generationally minded that he's always, if you ever read in the Bible, you'll always notice that he lists a whole genealogy. It's because he never wants you to forget where you came from. And it, it it's, it's surprising if you read, it says, then God blessed them. And God said back in generation, Genesis 1, verse 28, if we take it back, it says, God 
Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. When you go back to Genesis 9-1, so God blessed Noah. Very first thing he did before he got off the ark. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the air and on, every, and on everything that moves on earth and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. If you go back again to Genesis 17, verse 20, and he said, and as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and he will be and I will make him fruitful and he will multiply him exceedingly, he shall beget 12 priests, and I will make him a great nation. It's throughout the Bible. And every time he would say that, he would also add in later versions, because I am the mighty God. That is the thing. God is so generational. He cares so much about what he has created because he downloaded his DNA within us and he's made us in his own image and spirit. So we are to give life to things just as God does. He is the only person who has the ability to give life and to take life. That is not ours. That authority has only been given to God. So that is why it displeased him so, because Onar chose to be self-serving and he put into the lie, the demonic lie that, you know, it'll make you less if you produce. It goes back to 2 Corinthians when it says, God is the only person who can give you seed to sow. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 say, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and the bread and bread for, for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. It all starts with the seed. So the second point, I want to go to is verse 27. And um, in 27, it said, now it came to pass that at the time for giving birth, that behold, twins were, were born in her womb. And so it was when she was given birth that the one that put his hand out and the midwife took, took a scarlet thread and bound it. I looked up scarlet thread and that means redemption. She was being redeemed through her children. And then came out the first, and then this one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly. And she said, how did you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterwards, his brother came out who had the scarlet red on his hand and his name was Zebra. I also looked up Perez and Perez meant so much. Perez came through means the breach and a breakthrough. Not only was she being redeemed by her twins, but she was having breakthrough and breaching and forth and out by her twins. Now, the third thing that I want to point out is her name, Tamar, which means the fruit, date, palm, or just palm tree. There are three different characters in the Bible by the name of Tamar. But for me, I felt like the Holy Spirit was really wanted to hone in on the meaning palm tree, 
which translates to uh, it's a symbolic uh, thing of victory in the Jewish tradition. It's, it means victory, triumph, peace. It means everything. And I found it interesting that that was Tamar's name because it provided foreshadowing for Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem when he rode on the donkey. Number one, God is a generational God. He desired a family and that's why he created us. Not to be his servant, not because we're called to sing or not because we're called to preach or not because we're called to all this other stuff that I hear, but it's because he desired to have a family. So he made us in his image to give life and not just life. When he said be fruitful and multiply, he didn't mean just children. He meant everything in your life, be fruitful and multiply it, produce with everything within your life because it has been given to you because we have his DNA. When you go back to the beginning, he said, let us make man in our own image. He thought the thought, Jesus was the word, so he said it, and then the Holy Spirit came to perform that. We have that same power that lives within us. So when we speak, death and life is in the power of the tongue. We have the ability to speak over every situation. Hey, Pastor Charles, we have the ability to speak life into so much. And we need to be careful with our words because that is a spiritual authority that he gave us because what he wants us to do is to be fruitful and multiply because he blessed us with that. That was the very first blessing that he gave us. That was the very first blessing that he gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That blessing still has not left this earth today. We are to, to subdue the land, to bless it, and to multiply. And whatever you do, if it's in your business, multiply. If it's being a mother, multiply in that and produce and give life. Secondly, we all know I didn't even want to go into the suffrage movement. I didn't even want to go into um, feminism because we've been suppressed for so long. And it's not just black women. It's black women. It's white women. It's yellow women. It's orange women. It's all kinds of women, brown, black, yellow, orange, whatever. We've been suppressed for so long that when the feminist movement came, the idea, I believe, was from God. But the way that the enemy twisted it was not from God. The turn that it has taken was not from God. I'm okay if you want to burn your bra, but I like the authority that I carry as a woman and I want to stay in this authority that I carry as a woman in that position. So therefore, when the twins came, not only did she get double blessing, but it was foreshadowing of what Tamar was to bring onto the tribe of Judah. Do you understand when you look at this genealogy, if it was not for Tamar, Jesus would not have come out of the tribe of Judah. If it was not for Tamar and what she did, because I heard a lot of different variations about this story before, but I couldn't go off of that. I had to go off of what God was giving me. And Tamar was victorious. Tamar was triumphant. She had peace. She was told one thing and something else happened and done another. But instead of staying down, and staying in her father's house as a widow and never being looked at again as a person. She said, I'm going to find and get my inheritance and get what is owed to me. And that is why she had a breakthrough and she was redeemed through her two boys. Then it comes down to her name, Tamar. I don't know why Jesus chose the palm trees, why they were waving the palm trees when she came through. But she came out of the tribe of Judah. And when he came into that Palm Sunday, before he went to the cross, 
it reminds me of what she did for the tribe of Judah. It really reminds me of what she did for the tribe of Judah. And that is why God chose. That is why Jesus chose to add her. The power that women have is so incredible. Look at Ruth. Ruth was, again, remember, Tamar was a Canaanite woman. God had told them not to marry Canaanite women, but they did anyway. And he used it. Ruth, I don't remember what Ruth was, but Ruth was not a, a, a chosen woman either. And you have to even think about Hagar, who helped them when they were spying out in the land. When you look throughout the Bible, we have been suppressed, but we've been doing the work of the Lord from the beginning. From the beginning. So I just feel like the message that he wanted me to give to you today was number one, keep creating. Keep giving life to whatever it is that he told you to do. If it's to write a book, give life to the book. If it's to be a mother, be, give life to being a mother. Honor that. If it's to be a wife, do that. If it's to be a businesswoman, do that. If it's to preach, do that. But that's what I feel like he wanted to say. Second, Miss Betty says this all the time. It is our time. It is our season. That's what she says all the time. And I just was not getting it. I was, I got it, but I didn't get it. You know how you hear something so much and it becomes familiar. So you're like, yeah, yeah, that's our time. That's our season. But it, it hadn't landed on good ground yet. Through this and through other things that's been happening, it's landed on good ground where the enemy cannot come take it. So I'm praying that it lands on good ground on your hearts today. It's time for us to be redeemed in the proper way, not through feminism, but through God. We're being redeemed, all of the women. It's all of our times and it's all of our season. It's our time, it's our season. We're breaking forth. This is breakthrough time. This is break forth time. And to look at the foreshadowing and you have to look at it. When, you, when I think about that, all I can imagine right now is Jesus on the donkey. He has already made the way. He went before us. He paved the path before us. Why is it that when he came back from hell, from dropping off our sins, the very first person he let see him was Mary, another woman. It's our time and it's our season. So I just want to say thank you for your time and your attention. Queens, thank you so much for spending time listening to She Speaks Love podcast and being part of this amazing Sister Keeper community. Our heart is to bring you content that is educational, inspirational, relatable, and it encourages you to share the power of your voice. So you don't miss any of the conversations, we invite you to subscribe to She Speaks Love wherever you listen to podcasts. Please like, comment, and share. Follow us on our blog at shespeakslove.com. Links are in the show notes. To help support She Speaks, donate via our website, as well as select She Speaks Incorporated as your favorite charity on smile.amazon at no extra cost to you. Links are in the show notes below.